0: The Holy Gospel, according to St. Matthew, the ninth chapter. Getting into a boat, Jesus crossed over and came to his own city. And behold, some people brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. And behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, This man is blaspheming. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he then said to the paralytic, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and went home. When the crowd saw it, they were afraid, and they glorified God, who had given such authority to men. This is the gospel of the Lord. One of the stories that I remember hearing growing up around my grandma and grandpa Drake's coffee table was the story about one of grandpa's either his aunt or uncle, or I believe it was a great aunt and uncle for him. Uh, Robinson was the family name, and uh, the aunt and uncle whose first names escaped me, what would happen would be the wife would invariably uh, get distracted when they were running late for something. The story was told that. The uncle was sitting out in the car. They were far too late to leave for something they had to get to, probably church or something like that. And as he was waiting with the car running, the wife finally came out of the house, and she looked down and saw that the porch needed sweeping. So she grabbed the broom and took a few minutes to sweep the porch to her husband's chagrin. It was always a humorous story to picture because... Those of us who've ever had to wait on somebody else know that feeling of frustration, like now you're doing this right now. (laughs) Well, we all know that something in life might be important. It's a good thing to sweep your front porch, but importance of things are always relative to the importance of other things, right? So it's important that you all go home or go out to a restaurant and have dinner. And if you're going home, you're going to want to eat dinner. But it's more important in that moment than having dinner if, I don't know, there's a fire in the living room. Don't, someone goes and puts out the fire Say I'm hungry right now. What do you do? No, no, you stop the dinner, you put out the fire, then you have dinner. Afterwards, you understand that the importance is relative one to the other. We all know that there are many things that we must do in life. But some things need to get done before other things. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. When it comes to the things... That you need from God, forgiveness is the number one priority. We all know that life is certainly full of its problems, isn't it? Some things are big, some are small. Some things are so big they are what you might call a once-in-a-lifetime problem. Others, though, on the other hand, are day-to-day problems. On the big side, you might have the sort of thing that we encounter so often in the Gospels, right? An injury, a chronic illness, which has with it maybe even debilitating pain. And of these things, some, of course, are manageable, but others are not. And maybe a few of you here hit that bill or have at one point in your life, and you can think back on that time when you were deeply uncomfortable with whatever it was you were dealing with. But if you don't fit this bill, I think all of us here, it's fair to say, even the youngest ones among us are in the second camp, that we do have problems day to day, just regular, normal problems. All of us have to eat, all of us have to have clothing, all of us need money to survive and shelter and all of that. And between those little day-to-day problems that are just common to everybody, well, there's the middle ground, right? There are debts that we have, disputes that we have with family members, friends, or co-workers, strife in our life, and various degrees of stress and anxiety that we deal with. And so we often think of these things, these middle ground things, which aren't kind of the normal problems, but the middle problems as being the greatest needs that we have, if not the big chronic illnesses or injuries, if we have those. We think that if these middle problems are taken care of, well, then just life will be good, life will be happy, and all will be well. And if we examine our day-to-day lives and stopped and pondered it, I would say it probably at first glance even seems to be the case. That if these things were taken care of, all would be well. Think about your life. Think about tomorrow, Monday, and the things that you are going to wake up and think about as you go about your day. The things that you are going to focus on. The things you will do. The things you will worry about. What do you focus on the most? Well, whatever it is, the Bible does say that these things are important. They say that you should care about them and do them well. But what I'm saying today is... Whatever they are, they are not the most important thing that you need. And for that, a good example, a good picture for what you need the most, look at the gospel lesson today. There are some men that bring to Jesus this fellow who has a pretty big problem, he is paralyzed. And if you think about all of the people in the Gospels that were ill or injured, who were brought to Jesus or go to Jesus to be healed, this is probably, I'd say, up there toward the top of the list. Right after Lazarus and the other folks that had actually died, I would put paralysis right next, maybe number two. If you're blind or deaf, you can still move around and have somewhat of a physical life. Not, though, if you are paralyzed, you're immobile, Completely dependent upon the help and the goodwill of others, whoever they are. And so, with that as the backdrop, you have these men bring this paralyzed, paralyzed guy to Jesus. And what does Jesus seem to do in the first moment but miss the point? Right? He looks at the guy who's lying there on the mat, can't move, can't do anything for himself. And he says, take heart, my son your sins are forgiven. Now hold the fort, right? They must have been thinking that to some degree. We're not here for anything religious, Jesus. We know what you can do. We know the people you've helped. We know that there is a pretty good chance that you can, without even saying anything, if you didn't want to, make this guy healed so he can get up and walk away. If it was forgiveness, if it was something religious, something God-ish that we were after, we wouldn't be here. We would be in Jerusalem at the temple offering the sacrifices and the offerings which God's word in the Old Testament says gives this man and anybody else the forgiveness of sins. What we're here for is some good old-fashioned healing. Give this guy his life give his friends who are carrying him around all the time, give them their lives back so they don't have to worry about him anymore. They knew he could. Perhaps you've probably had that feeling yourself, right, before. You ever been on a long line for something, just waiting and waiting, and you finally get up to the front and they say, sorry, we gave the last one to the person right in front of you. And you go away empty-handed. The Bible doesn't say that they were frustrated after Jesus says, take heart my son, your sins are forgiven, but I think we could all understand if at least in that fleeting moment, they might have been a little bit. But regardless of what they felt and what that man felt, Jesus says what he says and does what he does in the order that he thinks is best. And I think he does it for this reason, he knows what the most important thing for this man is. he knows what this man and all men, all people need. Jesus knows what should come first and that is the forgiveness of sins. I want you to think about just the healing miracles and the gospels broadly for a second okay we know there's a lot of them we probably get the details of a few of them mixed up, and even I do that from time to time forgetting who it happened to, where it happened, and in which gospel it's written down. But I think that there's one thing we often don't think about when we read these things or hear them, and that is that the healing was temporary. Okay, None of these gospel accounts of these healing miracles say, and after that he was healed, had a wonderful life, and then like Elijah and Enoch just was translated into heaven, 30 years later God took him into heaven, doesn't say that. What we could reasonably assume, and rightly assume I would say, is that the rest of these people after they were healed, they went through the same bodily decay that everybody goes through. Someone who was blind, had their sight again, and who knows? Maybe 20 years later, they had a detached retina and couldn't see again. Maybe they got a torn cornea. (laughs) That's not fun. No, something could have happened, right? They would have had this decay and back to where they were, back to some degree of misery. And then finally, who wins in the end? The grave. They would have died. This man had a problem, a deep problem, and it was sin. You see, the death came to him later on, but the sin is the thing that he couldn't fix himself and needed fixed finally. Sin is what separates us from God, we know. So often we stay up late at night or wake up early in the morning and can't fall back to sleep because we are thinking about the middle problems, the medium type problems that we experience in life, the difficulties that we have. They keep us awake, they keep us worried and we know that, though, at death there will be a reckoning, however. Goats separated from sheep, books opened, deeds judged. And if you think about that, though, the backdrop of what sin is and what sin demands, no test in life you have in school or anywhere else, no audit that you can go through, and no judgment is as big as this. And whether we realize it or not, And so for that reason, for this paralytic and all the rest of us, our biggest problem is indeed sin and the looming judgment we deserve from God because of it. And so for that reason, Jesus addresses it first. But more than addresses it, what does he do? He fixes it first. He sees their faith and he says to them, "'Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven.'" He absolves him and declares the biggest problem of his life to be taken care of. He puts the first thing first, and then he completes it. And after this, and only after this, Jesus then, for this man, cleans up everything else. He kills a couple more birds with the same stone. He rebuffs the unbelieving scribes that say he can't forgive sins. He displays his divine authority and actually heals the guy. All of these are good things, they're great things even, but all of them are secondary to that one thing that is needful. Coming up here in a few weeks, we're going to have our Thanksgiving Eve service, and you're going to hear that gospel lesson again, the parable of the barns, and the question that is asked, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world, but to forfeit his soul? That is to ask the question, what good does it do anybody to have an excellent job, to have a loving family, to have great friends? What good even does it do to be healed of being a paralytic, but separated from God? The answer, of course, is no good, none whatsoever. The things we worry about, Life's problems and the things that we enjoy, life's gifts are all, when you think about it, drops in the bucket when compared with eternity, which is what we were all made for. We know that we can't take them with us, for better or for worse. They will come to an end, both good and bad, and the grave is an unforgiving repo man." Now, I'm not trying to say that we shouldn't try and solve the problems that we have to fix the middle problems that we think about and worry about. And I'm also not saying don't enjoy life, don't enjoy good things. Of course, you should. But the thing that you should not do is make these things, the good things or the bad problems, the frame for your life and your existence. Don't think that everything is just going to be wonderful and well for you, it's going to be well for you if all these things and people are fine in your life. But rather, know, instead, know yourself that all is already well for you insofar as you have Jesus Christ the Lord as your Savior. You see, those men did not know it, who brought the man to Jesus. They didn't know it, and the man himself, I would say, even didn't know it, that he was just trying to have fixed a medium a small problem in the scheme of things. But thanks to God's mercy and their faith, they got, first and foremost, a much bigger fix to a much bigger problem. The small fix, the healing you now that came too, but afterward, and almost if you think about it and read it again, like an afterthought, God has, forg- has given the authority to forgive sins to a man, namely the true man, Jesus Christ. It's the chief work that he does, the chief reason that any of us, anyone in this world has ever borne his name. And it's the greatest good that he can do for someone. It's the remedy to the biggest problem you have, your sin. And when you have that problem fixed by him, You hopefully, at least, I think hopefully, have all the rest put into the perspective that it ought to be. So seek, receive, and treasure this gift of Jesus Christ. And in the confidence of that Lord Jesus Christ, know that he'll give you whatever small fixes or helps that you need for the rest of it, according to his good time and pleasure. Amen.